Hello, and welcome to the Collider.com podcast. I'm Collider.com Senior Editor Matt Goldberg, and with me is Deputy Editor Adam Chitwood. Howdy, folks. Today, we're going to be talking about the 2020 Oscar nominations. The nominations were announced this morning, and everyone is talking about them, and that's why we're actually uploading this episode today, so you can listen to our thoughts on the nominations on your drive home. And... Important, before we get into sort of category by category and, and snubs and surprises and all of that stuff, uh, I wanted to have Adam, who's our Oscar expert, kind of break down how this Oscar season was different than Oscar seasons past and how that might have affected the nominees. So, Adam, could you, could you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, so basically this year, um, I think it's a record more than any other in terms of the expediency of it. Um, But to give you an example, so last year's Oscars were held on February 24th. The nominees were announced on January 22nd. um, And last year's Golden Globes, I think, were earlier in January. So that meant you had kind of most of January for people to catch up on movies, um, to watch things. And then you had um, a little over a month, a month and two days. Um, until the ceremony was held. Um, and I believe, you know, the, I think nominations voted or the voting closes a few days before the, the winners are announced. So, so last year people had about a month to vote, um, once the nominees were released this year, uh, it's January 13th as we're recording this, the nominations are announced and the ceremony is on February 9th, which is in less than a month. Um, that essentially gives them, uh, you know, uh, a little over, three weeks uh, to watch what's been nominated now. And that also meant that they had less time to catch up on things for nominations voting. Nominations voting closed last week. Um, And, you know, last week was, you know, just the second week of January or first week of January. What is time? I don't know. It was Um, the first week of January. Basically, (laughs) it's the first week of January and that was it. And that's that's a pretty accelerated timeline. It is, and and you know, it, it means you have less time to watch things. And I know a lot of voters watch things over the holidays. They watch them with their families because they get screeners in. Um, it also gives you more time to build buzz around a smaller movie, and like, oh, you really got to get this one in before you before you vote. Um, and so this year, it just felt like uh, it felt like it was super fast, and so it felt like I kind of need a cheat sheet of like, what should I prioritize because I do not have time to see everything. Um, and I think we kind of saw that borne out a little bit in in the the list of nominees this year, in that they're they're largely pre- like they're largely what was predicted. There really are not any huge left field choices like Yalitza um, um, uh, from uh, Roma getting nominated last year. Um, the other supporting actress getting nominated for Mama last year. I apologize. I can't remember her name. Um, but those were like kind of like left field choices that uh, were not necessarily expected, but maybe hoped for. Um, and then this year, you know, it all pretty much played out like it was supposed to, quote unquote. Yeah, it's it's funny looking at the nom- the nine nominees for Best Picture, which is or Char, real quickly. Ford v. Ferrari, Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite, you're looking at a group of movies that, with the exception of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, were all released from September to November, basically, or or, or December, really. And 1917 technically just came out, but if you're an Academy member, you were seeing it in November. And the way I know that is because I saw it in November, (laughs) I'm not an Academy member, and so they definitely saw it before I did. Um... You know, so these movies, they came in a very short window, and I think, again, that shortened window 
prevented people from being like, oh, I can reach back further in the year and maybe check out Us, or I can maybe, you know, this film is coming out later in the year, like Just Mercy, but I can give that a shot because there's time to devote to these movies. And I think um, the expedient timeline basically really, it, it created kind of a pressure cooker where it's like, if a film has buzz, it's getting in. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, like it, and if it's kind of on the bubble, it's not. Like, you were in your Oscar prediction thing, you thought that there might be 10 this year because it could be 5 to 10. And you, we've never got in that, when it's been 5 to 10, we've never reached 10. But you thought this year it might happen that we could. Well, I, the- I put 10. I didn't necessarily mean that to me. You I lied! Put- you lied to me! <laughs> I lied. Some were predicting we would only get eight because of the expedited timeline, but the way it works out, it's almost always nine, um, right. and that's what happened this year. Um, but you know, I it it did play out pretty much as expected. I mean, it, it just it, it just kind of kept being the same movies over and over again as the Oscar season wore on, with the possibility of a spoiler in terms of like a Knives Out or the Farewell, um, maybe in there. Um, but really, you look at these these nine nominees, and that's you just kind of like, yep. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned the farewell. The farewell is not in the game. The zero nominations, yeah, uh, for the farewell. And uh, you know, it's funny. I would actually say if there was probably a category that was close to the bubble, it was probably the two popes, your favorite film, <laughs> best actor, best supporting actor, and best uh, adapted screenplay. Yeah. So, like, that was probably closer to getting in than farewell uh even though people were thinking oh will it get in for you know maybe best actors maybe best supporting actors um i don't want to i don't want to take a a mean swipe at any studio but a24 had a really bad year um especially when you come coming i mean you know a couple years ago they seemed to sort of be like the hot new thing like they got moonlight to to sort of upset and win best picture over la la land um, and then the following year, they had Lady Bird, and Lady Bird sort of, you know, got, had had some momentum. And then uh, last year, they didn't really have anything. Uh, and then this year, they were they were pushing Lighthouse, The Farewell, and Uncut Gems, and like Lighthouse got Best Cinematography, and I think that's it. Yeah, and I think it depends on like how, like what what A twenty four wants to be doing. Because you you look at Moonlight and you look at, um, um, uh, gosh, what was the one last year? Um, or Lady Bird. You look at Moonlight and Lady Bird. Those films were sold pretty well, but they were also sold as like serious films. And you know, we always think of the Oscars as like quote unquote pretty serious. Uncut Gems was sold as this kind of like crazy good time uh, with Adam Sandler giving this dynamic performance. The Lighthouse was sold as this like crazy weird time uh, with Robert Pattinson giving a a really great performance. Um, Even something like Midsommar, you know, they were leaning into kind of the like the social well, yeah, and like the social media aspect of it, like the buzzworthiness of it, as opposed to the like, here's an important film to see. And I don't say that to neg them. Like these movies did well at the box office, I think. Uncut Gems, uh, I think, is their biggest hit. Yeah, and Midsommar, Midsommar did well. Uh, I think The Lighthouse did pretty okay. Waves would have been the one that I would have thought they would have pushed because that's the most uh, kind of Oscar-y of the bunch. But they didn't. They didn't really put it a huge campaign behind that one and didn't really pick up any steam. So I think that that's more to do with the, uh, you know, just the, it doesn't seem like a movie that like film Twitter is going to love. Like uncut gems is, is a quote unquote Oscar movie quite yet. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, you get it, when you talk about like sort of the studio machine, and I think that's also important to keep in mind. Like, you know, Phil, it's not just like the Academy is out here being like, and I only look at films in a vacuum. No, there are huge studio marketing machines to get these films to put to get to put them in front of Academy members, not just with screeners, but with meet and greets and sort of all this hullabaloo and four-year consideration ads, and some are just better at it than others. Like, every year, Fox Searchlight is going to have a dog in the fight, and this year, it's Jojo Rabbit. And yeah. Jojo Rabbit did very well for it. So I got, like, what, six nominations? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I... And like pro- major pro- nominations, too, like Best Film Editing. Like, that's, that's a big nomination. Right. So, like, Fox Searchlight knows how to play the game. Um, but that being said, like, Warner Brothers, you know, they kind of... I thought that they screwed up royally with uh, last year with uh, A Star Is Born, and uh, this year they've got the most nominations for Joker. They got eleven. So yeah, it's you know everyone's trying to sort of work the system and work the voters. And something that also has to be mentioned is that the Academy body has changed. Um, Ten years ago, the Academy was very white, very male, and very old, and the Academy recognized that. Um, after public pressure, after a couple of years of hashtag Oscars so white, and worked to sort of like, okay, how can we diversify our membership? And yet, what what at first seemed like, ooh, they're going for more interesting pictures like Moonlight and The Shape of Water, like those are those aren't typical Oscar movies. Now it feels like a revanchist sort of movement is coming in with Green Book and possibly Joker winning Best Picture this year. I would say maybe, but I still don't think – I mean as much as you may dislike Joker, I don't think Joker is comparable to Green Book in terms of like the kind of movie it is. Like the, the Green Book feels like it appeals to a certain Academy member that is not necessarily the kind of Academy member that's going for Joker. That feels more like a Ford v. Ferrari or maybe even a Jojo Rabbit um, or, or like 1917 marriage story, more traditional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think Joker is quote unquote edgy. I mean, it's it's violent. It is technically based on a DC comic. Um, I don't know it doesn't feel like that kind of uh, backtracking movie. It doesn't even feel like you know. I would say it's a better film than Bohemian Rhapsody, which was just trash. Um, I, I mean, don't... it certainly has better craft than Bohemian Rhapsody. I could say that. Yeah. Like, I, I would say like you know, Joker. Like as much as I dislike the substance of the film, I can at least say. Lauren Scher did great cinematography. I thought Hilder, I, I can't pronounce her last name, solid. <laughs> Wasn't it here or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I can't. She did a solid score. Like, like there are technical elements in Joker that are not present in a film like Bohemian Rhapsody, where Bohemian Rhapsody is, it's amazing that he even got this film to the finish line, and yet somehow people think it's amazing. Joker isn't like, oh, okay, you got a bunch of technical craftspeople who are good at their jobs. But even there, I'm a little, like, if you look at, like, best editing, I don't think Joker has the best editing. I actually think no. it's kind of sloppy, and I think uh, Emily Vanderwolf made a really good point on Twitter, which is that it feels like for Joaquin Phoenix's performance, uh, they just said, use whatever take is the most extreme, and it made his performance feel really uneven. Let me ask you, what won Best Editing last year? Uh, it was Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. I remember, because, and the reason I remember that is because not only is the editing atrocious in Bohemian Rhapsody... <laughs> But also, it went to um, a guy I really like. Who, oh gosh, and it's, I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, the editor. No. What? Yeah. yeah uh, but, why? Oh, John Ottman. John Ottman, who I really like as an editor. I, I mean, the editing on The Usual Suspects is is marvelous. Like, it's not that he's a bad editor. 
he basically got an award because they're like, oh, this film shouldn't even exist, and you got it to you helped get it to the finish line, John, which is a dumb reason to give him an Oscar for a film that poorly made. But that's how Academy voters think. Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head, and I think we hit the nail on the Joker head a few uh, podcasts ago um, in talking about its appeal as an Academy movie. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with the quality of the film, although I have heard enough uh, actors gushing about it to know that there are people who genuinely love it. And the fact that it got a nomination means it got enough first-place votes to get into the best picture circle, so that's meaningful. But the notion that this is an industry that is in in the midst of massive changes, this is an industry in which a lot of people are fearful of their jobs, in which Disney gobbled up Fox, and most of the movies being made nowadays are superhero movies. Joker presents an alternative way forward that allows filmmakers who do not Filmmakers, actors, you know, editors, production designers who do not care about people in capes to still survive in this industry by making superhero movies, but still making it quote unquote art, um, making it more artistic, more gritty, more grounded, more realistic, um, which Joker is those things, I suppose. I just don't think it's ex- it's successful as a as a whole. I think right. it, it has the parts but it's not. Well, Joker I mean, offers, It's not well directed. No, well, and that's the thing. Joker is the idea of that. And honest, and honestly, if you wanted to look for like, the funny thing is, is if you wanted to look at a film that was actually about the, you know, a superhero film that's actually about something, um, you could look at Logan. You could look at Black Panther. But because those are still too deemed too superhero-y, um, Joker simply just goes further. But it doesn't do any, it doesn't have any depth. It just goes further in that illusion of these can be serious movies. And I, I, I think you're right. You know, it's, you know, on, on Twitter, a lot of people are there, you know, they're just being mad online about Oscar nominations. And that's fair, I guess. But the, the thing to emphasize is that it's not that movies are dead or movies are over or movies are canceled. It's that the Academy made these choices for a reason, you know. And part of the re- appeal of a film like Joker is, like you said, it offers them a path forward even if the film itself is not really about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's why, you know, you see Joker getting the most nominations out of anything. Um, and, you know, as I said, I listened to Greta Gerwig on the Big Picture podcast, and, uh, you know, she was talking about how much she liked Joker and how much she liked Joaquin Phoenix's performance in that movie. So, God, if this is what gets Bradley Cooper a Best Picture nomination and not a Star is Born, I'm going to throw a fit I mean, it for really, Best, Picture, it, Best Picture Oscar. Not only that, but it will get Todd Phillips an Oscar yeah, win, too. But more and, infuriating to me, though, is Bradley Cooper, though, because the Star is Born is fucking great, and that yeah, movie was just ignored. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the Todd Phillips of it all is, is kind of infuriating to me because there's something deeply cynical beneath the production of Joker, which is that... Todd Phillips made a film that's basically just a cop, just a, you know, a Xerox of Martin Scorsese 70s movies like Taxi Driver. And I know King of Comedy was the 80s, but, you know, just work with me here, people. He made a, <laughs> he made a, he made a very film, a film that has very clear homages to Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And then he did it, and he said this in an interview, I made it because I couldn't make funny movies anymore, which is asinine, <laughs> which is the dumbest fucking thing. He basically did it because, like, yeah, I can't make a movie where Bradley Cooper yells, paging doctor, and I'm not going to say the, the gay slur, but, like, he can't make that movie anymore. So his alternative is, I'm going to make a really serious movie, but I'm going to do it under, I'm going to, the only way I can make it is if Warner Brothers lets me make it as a Joker film. It's just this very cynical bargain. 
from all involved that doesn't need to exist. But I also think the, the audience is somewhat complicit in that as well, because you could, if you just go one year earlier, if you wanted to see like a gritty drama with Joaquin Phoenix, that really is about like, you know, dark morality and a world that's unfair and unforgiving. You could have seen you were never really here, but because it's not based on a Batman villain and it has a woman directing it who didn't make the hangover movies, it doesn't exist anymore. And to me, you know, and I get it that there are all these other factors in play, like distribution and like what gets attention. But again, Joker to me, what, what offends me about Joker, even though I think the film itself is whatever, what offends me in terms of the idea of it is that it's the illusion of seriousness. Uh, it's where, and, and that's really frustrating when you look at other nominees. Like I think you can have films that are about things. And I think you see that in this field, like marriage story is about something. Jojo Rabbit is about something. Irishman is about something. Parasite, definitely about something. <laughs> you know? And, Even Ford v. Ferrari is about something. Right, exactly. Whereas Joker is not about anything. And I, I've gotten in, into debates with people. It's about something in, like, the broadest possible sense. I'm like, someone's like, ah, oh, it's about Trump. And I'm like, is it? Is it about Trump? Like, ah, oh, some populist figure is rallying people. I'm like... Kinda. <laughs> like, I guess in that sense, yes, Joker is Trump. Like, what what are you even going for? Like, it, it's, when, you're, when your satire, if that's what you want to call it, or your commentary is that broad, it renders it meaningless. Yeah, for a movie that's so supposedly edgy, it doesn't have the balls to commit. No, it doesn't. And like, again, you can look at the other nominees and say like, you can commit. You can make something about something. Um... But Joker is, you know, it's it, it, it's not about anything. And I'm so, I, I know there are people that love it. And it's just, I think also what's frustrating is if you look at the Academy, I think what the Academy does at its best is it shines a light on, a, on an artist or a film that doesn't, that needs more attention. So like Moonlight, like is a film where like its biggest star was like Mahershala Ali um, Janelle and like Janelle Monet and Naomi Harris. Like it was not a film built on its stars, uh, but because of the Academy attention and because of the Oscars and things like that, it drew people to give Moonlight a chance. And I think that's really valuable. I think that's when the Academy does something right. And I, I, my problem, I think with this year's lineup is that there's not a lot of like shine a light on this film. Like I think if the farewell had been nominated for best picture, I could be like, you know what? The Farewell was not on my top ten of the list, but I think it's a good movie, and I think it's a film that people may not go see, but now that the Academy has signed off on it, they'll be like, oh, well, it was nominated for Best Picture. I want to go see The Farewell. But instead, it's like Joker with 11 nominations and also over a billion dollars worldwide. Like, it's such a weird thing, and it, it also calls to mind the fact how fucking silly it was that they were like, we should do a Best Popular Film category. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad that that's gone away. I do kind of like this new Academy president and I like the the notion that they haven't tried to bring that back or haven't been like, you know, we're going to air, we're going to give out three awards off air. Like, no, nah, fuck that. Just go without a host. You're fine. Yeah. So, I mean, this year's lineup is just, it's a lot of safe choices. It's that's, that's my feeling. It's like, there's nothing, you know, there's stuff that I'm happy for. Like I'm happy Ryan Johnson got nominated for best original screenplay uh, I'm happy for Jonathan Price, like getting nominated his first Oscar nomination in a long career. Like that's really cool. Um, 
the Academy is apparently okay with Tom Hanks again. That's nice. <laughs> you know, like, you know, there's, there's nice things in here, but there's no like, oh, wow, the Academy, you know, made a, really made a bold choice here. There's, there's really not a lot of that this year. I would agree with that. I do think it's also tough in a year where, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm of two minds about it. I, I definitely agree that it would have been nice to see some outside the box choices, um, even for films that were not on, you know, my top 10 list, like the farewell, um, like something like the lighthouse, like even uncut gems. Um, but on the other hand, like just because marriage story is from an established filmmaker and has, uh, stars in it doesn't make it any less great. And I can say the same for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I can say the same for The Irishman. Um, I can say the same for Little Women. I can say the same for Ford v. Ferrari. Like, a lot of these movies are genuinely great movies, and I don't I, – I'm not upset that they are nominated. I, I do think they they represent some of the best filmmaking in, in their field of the year. The thing that does kind of irk me is kind of the sameness throughout. Mm-hmm. Like, I do wish there was a little bit more diversity in, like, cinematography and costume design – uh, production design, film editing, to recognize kind of outside-the-box choices as opposed to those categories kind of falling in line with your Best Picture nominees. Well, I also think, like, the power of narratives, again, in this sort of abbreviated timeline, Oscar narratives, I think, took a real hold. So, yeah. like, a film like Us or Rocket Man had trouble, I think, making inroads because they were released in March and uh, May, respectively. Or maybe Us was released yeah. in February. Uh, but either way, they were released too early <laughs> into the year. So, like, Lapita Nyong'o, who is giving an un... Like, I know art is subjective, but man, come on. That is objectively a great performance. Come on. Yeah. Like, that is brilliant. And, like, the work she's doing there, and I feel like, oh, well, the reason she didn't get in is because Us was re- is a horror film that was released in February, and unlike Get Out, it wasn't a cultural, you know, sensation. That we were talking and yet about. And it made here. a ton of money. It made a ton of money, too. It's not like yeah. us was a flop. It's just, you know, and I can't, like, and again, there are also the Academy biases that we have to talk about, which is that one of the easiest ways to get an Oscar nomination is play a famous person. Like, yeah. Play, if you are, I saw the famous person play another famous person. I recognize the thing. And it's just, it's so, I don't know. I personally feel it's harder to create a character from cloth um but people seem to feel like charlie Theron did a really killer megan kelly impression so that's got to get nominated i guess yeah you know and i don't want to get dragged down and be like it should be this it should be that but like I, I i do feel the calendar really worked against some people like taron edgerton bless him really campaigned hard and i i you know again this we've talked about how this this year's act, best actor race was a bloodbath um yeah you know, and I think in a different year, maybe he has an easier time getting in. But I also think if Rocket Man was released in October, he'd also maybe have an easier time getting in. But also, I do. I mean, I mean, Best Actor is famous for like just being filled with people playing real people, and this year we do actually have fictional characters. Um, Adam, the Pope is not a fictional character. <laughs> for the last time, the Pope is real. Talking about the Joker and Adam Driver in Marriage Story, which uh, for my money is the performance of the year. Uh, DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Even Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory. I mean, it's a thinly veiled version of Pedro Almodovar. But it is is not Pedro Almodovar. Yeah, and that's kind of nice to see like these fictional characters going up against each other. It is. 
yeah, I feel like I've thought, I, some people are like, he's talking out both sides of his mouth. How can you be like reward Taron Egerton for playing Elton John, but you know, not you know, not Charlie Theron for playing Megyn Kelly? But I definitely, I just feel like the performances have different levels. You know? Yeah, and I also feel like what was demanded of Taron Egerton's performance um, was more impressive. To be honest, I also feel like there, even in like the non-acting categories, there's just like little things that irk me. Like, where's the love for Dolomite is my name in this costume? Yeah, that was surprising. That was a, a genuinely surprising omission there. Um, yeah. Dolomite I would also say Rocket Man should have been. Like, I know it wasn't like high again where it was released in calendar, but I thought Rocket Man also had fantastic costumes. Well, you hit upon something that, that I think is interesting, and, and I'm curious to see it bear out in the future. Um, so no studio has ever had three films get a Best Picture nomination. Some thought that might happen this year with Netflix, with Marriage Story, The Irishman, and The Two Popes. Obviously, it didn't happen with Two Popes. But you have to wonder if, if they were stretching themselves thin with The Irishman, Marriage Story, Two Popes, and Dolomite is my name. Um, and even, you know, people have been talking about the Marriage Story campaign and how it kind of went a little downhill in this past month because it was, at a one point in time, the one to beat. Like, that that seemed to be maybe top dog. And I don't necessarily know the inner workings of Netflix's resources and how they, um, you know, they're working with some of the best performances and best films and best scripts and, you know, best uh, filmmaking of the year with some of these movies. And how do you decide to put, you know, the Irishman up against Marriage Story? And I'll be curious to see if Netflix changes course in the future, if they make, you know, fewer Oscar contenders or if they start trying to hold things to space them out. Because um, it did feel like they were stretched a little thin this year. Like Dolomite is my name, I think would have gotten more love if it had come from Sony or somewhere else. But obviously, the the irony there is that no other studio would make these movies. So yeah, no, and and Netflix is just such a weird business model because it's all about like what can you do for their brand. Like Lulu Wang was part of the director's roundtable, and she gave like a really great answer about you know why did they choose to go to A twenty four as the distributor for the farewell, and she explained that as a as an up and coming filmmaker, it's better for her brand to get a theatrical release. Than to go with Netflix, even though like a, or and she didn't say Netflix, but she's like the streamers offered us way more money for the farewell, but that doesn't for me that doesn't help me necessarily make the films I want to make going forward. And I think that's an important thing to consider about where these films are getting released. So like for Netflix, like it's fine for Martin Scorsese because Martin Scorsese like his next movie is what with Paramount, Killers of the Flower Moon. Or with yeah. Sony. Yeah, it's not with, it's with Paramount. So, yeah, it's with Paramount, yeah. Yeah, so like Mark Scorsese is going to be fine. Like, he can make a movie with Netflix, and Netflix wants to give him a ridiculous amount of money to do the, the visual effects he needed for The Irishman. Um, but I do think, to your point, like I, definitely, I, I think Netflix is more happy to just get the nominations because then it's like, look at all these prestige films on Netflix. You know, subscribe to Netflix. Whereas yeah. a, a, at, at that point, like a win doesn't do anything. Because all they need is the subscribers. Where it's mm-hmm. like a win, like I don't know, like and maybe maybe in time they will need the wins because artists will be like, well, I want to win the Oscar. I don't want to just be nominated for it. And all Netflix can do is get nominated. You know, I don't. Yeah, know. it's net. But I definitely think maybe Netflix did stretch itself too thin. But they, I think they're all they're also working under the philosophy like we've got to throw a lot of irons in the fire to compete. Yeah, that makes sense. So. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Do you want to maybe go through some categories and, yeah. and break them down? All right. Let's break them down. Short film live action. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> I have not seen these yet. All right. 
I will watch them before uh, the ceremony, though. Um, so where do you want to start? Uh, I mean, we can start. At, I mean, we've talked a bit about Best Picture. Um, we can start at the top and, and kind of go down. Um, I mean, obviously, the big, uh, you know, the, the almost made it contenders here were Knives Out, um, The Farewell, and The Two Popes. Um, and that's based on precursor awards and like this, this lineup is the producers guild without knives out. So it's just the nine films from what the producers guild nominated. Um, and then excising knives out, which is kind of why I thought knives out might get a best picture nomination because it had the PGA and the, and the writers guild. Um, but, uh, it did not. Um, but I don't know, as I said, I, I mean, it's usually like in the best picture field, there are like one or two nominees that I'm just really angry at like uh green book and bohemian rhapsody but it's not really the case this year like even joker like that's fine sure like i don't like the movie um and i have problems with it but it's not uh it's not irredeemable garbage it's not it's not like it's it's not bad well it is bad filmmaking (laughs) i'm trying to find like what separates joker from bohemian rhapsody and green book um because it's also thematically misguided um I don't know. I Joker just, is a film I legit think is garbage. Like I, I, I mean, I know in my review I gave it like a C, but like I knew it would happen. Like the more praise it gets, I'm like, oh yeah. The well, the more it's praised, it's not like I'm trying to be like contrary. I'm just saying that like if you're going to hold it up, that's going to subject it to further critique, and it doesn't hold up to scrutiny. And yeah. So to not only for the film to not only be nominated for best picture, but to be leading with the most nominations at eleven. And I'm not saying all of those nominations are undeserved, but, you know, I kind of look at it sort of, I'm trying to think of like a film recently. It's hard to say. Like, it feels like a film that's more technically proficient, but once you start trying to give it like, oh, it has best directing and best screenplay, I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You know, I would, no. So, I don't know. It's, the Joker of it all, to me, Joker is kind of going to be looming over this whole thing. And, you know, last year I assumed Green Book couldn't win it because Green Book was too divisive. And I was fucking wrong. <laughs> uh, so the fact that Joker is divisive, I actually don't think it's as divisive as it appears because, as you say, actors seem to really like it. And mm-hmm. Obviously, it, it went over well with a lot of the guilds. I mean, we, we could be bracing ourselves for just a night where, like, Joker, this is, this is the Academy and this is Hollywood's solution to the superhero craze which is to joker it up yeah yeah the the i mean if if we want to do kind of like snap who wins predictions for each category i'd say the you know the the ones that have a serious shot in best picture right now are joker once upon a time in hollywood 1917 and i'd throw parasite in there um because of the preferential ballad technically the front runner right now is once upon a time in hollywood has been for the last month or so uh, it's been winning all the major awards. It's a beloved film from a beloved filmmaker. Um, but we'll kind of see what the next month shakes out. 1917 was kind of the late comer to the race and everyone was shocked by the Globes win, but I think you and I were on the same page. We were like, yeah, this movie's pretty good. And you know, it, it feels like the kind of movie that Oscar voters are like, yes, I love this. Movie. I, I was honestly surprised that, that the Hollywood foreign press didn't go for Joker. Cause I think, yeah. cause I think they're a bunch of clowns. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I know I'm bad. Get uh, out! I suck. Get out! That's a that's a that's a comedy worthy of Joker. Um, yeah. But no, you know it's interesting. I feel like you know I, I'm, I'm with you. It's kind of close right now. I'm very curious to see 
what the PGA and the DGA will do. Yeah. That, yeah. I think, will give us our clearest picture of, of what, how this is going to go. Agreed. Um, I personally, right now, I'm thinking it's going to be split. Like, I, I have a tough time seeing Todd Phillips winning Best Director. I feel like that could go to Scorsese or to Sam Mendes. Yeah. Um, but then Joker wins Best Picture. Like, that's kind of how I'm seeing things shake out right now. So the thing about Best Director that I've noticed looking in the past few winners, it goes to kind of technical proficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Alfonso Cuaron for Gravity, uh, Inuritu for The Revenant and for Birdman, uh, Ang Lee for Life of Pi, and then you know Best Picture goes to something else, something that's a little bit more like widely loved. So I could definitely see Director going to Sam Mendes for 1917 because again, it feels like you know that's a movie or like that's something that technically I do not know how to pull off. But I could also see Bong Joon Ho winning for Parasite. Um, that movie seems to be beloved. I think its biggest hurdle will be you know now that how, voting... how dare it be in a language other than English? Yeah, yeah. Now that voting goes to the Academy at large because the the nominations are chosen by the specific branches. So the best director nominees were only voted on by people by members of the best director branch, um, and that's kind of why you look at like oh this movie got the most nominations. That tells you well there's widespread love for it throughout all of the branches in the Academy. So. Right. But, you know, before people just assume it's going to go one way, like, just as something has a lot of widespread love, that may not be enough to get it all the way to the finish line. Like, Black Panther, I think, had, like, what, 11 or 12 nominations? Like, in a bunch of, like, it, Black Panther, I recall, did pretty well in the nomination game, but it didn't get, you know, that picture. Yeah, the, the one I always bring to mind is American Hustle, which had, like, 11 nominations, something like that, and zero wins. As it should. As it should <laughs> yeah. be. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, directing definitely feels, I mean, right now it feels like it's going to be between Sam Mendes and Martin Scorsese with maybe Bong as sort of a spoiler. Uh, yeah. I know Tarantino really wants that directing Oscar, but he's not he going to get it. <laughs> I think it's possible. I don't know. It's tough to predict. Yeah. Um, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So let's, let's talk about actor um, a little bit. Um, like we said, it was, a, it was a bloodbath of a year. Yeah. Um, but this is Phoenix's to lose. Um, he's going to get a real crazy acceptance speech, probably. Yes. Um, Correct. <laughs> the The acting categories are all pretty much Yeah, they're pretty up. much locked down. Renee Zellweger is going to win for Judy. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt's going to win for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, mm. Laura Dern's going to win for Marriage Story. Yep. Thank you. Thank, thank, you, every, thank you, everyone else, for coming. <laughs> yeah. Thanks I for mean, playing. I mean, I guess I suppose. Suppose there's room for an upset, like sort of like last year, where like, oh, Glenn Close is definitely going to win, yeah, Best Actress, and then Olivia Coleman swoops in. I suppose there's room for, I suppose there's room for an upset. Like I could, <laughs> I'll put it this way: if Joaquin Phoenix rubs enough people the wrong way, <laughs> I can see Adam Driver swooping in. I'll put it that way. That would be funny. Yeah, I think I don't know the the biggest the category for the biggest possible upset is supporting actor because it feels kind of the um, weakest of the bunch. Um, I don't mean that that in a bad way, but like Brad Pitt is not like just so far out ahead of everyone else that. You know, and, and the Academy has a weird thing with handsome men. And I'm gonna, this is going to sound a little <laughs> strange, but it's true. If you're like a handsome man. It's very hard to win an acting Oscar unless you destroy yourself. <laughs> unless you make yourself ugly. Unless you make yourself ugly or like you put your body through the ringer. It's true. Like DiCaprio couldn't get it until he got eaten by a bear. 
Yeah. And like it was Matthew very well put together in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey couldn't get it until this character had AIDS. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't look. This is not me trying to be like, a, I'm saying this is how the Academy thinks. This is how they reason things out. And Brad Pitt has an Oscar for producing. <laughs> he yeah. won the Oscar for 12 Years a Slave as a producer. Brad Pitt is one of the most handsome people in Hollywood, and they may feel like I'm a little more comfortable giving it to Pesci. I don't know. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But everything else in the acting sort of feels sewn up. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the animated feature film category. Um, that was fun. That was fun. I Frozen 2. No good. <laughs> no good. Disney is not happy. Um, they, as, if, it, as if I give a shit if Disney's happy no. or not but just for those who are like oh they have enough money it's fine but like this kind of thing is a very big deal for a studio um, to miss out on, on something as big especially it, when it your does, film is not like the highest grossing animated film or whatever Yeah, if, you, if you ignore the Lion King which is also animated yes yeah uh, yeah, which, I don't know, it's just kind of nuts I'm not mad about it, I think that movie needed another year of development um, I didn't hate it, but I think it needed some work. But uh, and I've heard Klaus is very good. Klaus is the I one that I make a point to see Klaus now. I've heard, yeah, enough, good, I've heard enough good things about Klaus, and it's on Netflix. Screw it. Um, I'd be interested to see if there's an upset brewing here. Uh, I feel it's like such a weak category this year. It's so weak. I well, you say that you say that it's weak, but I'm saying to you, I lost my body is fantastic. Yes. So that's that's what I'm saying. I would be I I think right now what I'd say is Toy Story Four is the front runner with maybe missing Link, but I'd lost my body as I think could pull an upset. Yeah, I don't disagree there. Um, I haven't seen How to Train Your Dragon in the Hidden World yet, but I heard it was kind of underwhelming. Actually, uh, I counter. I'd say it's pretty good. Oh, all right. There you go. Um, and Missing Link is fine, but it's far from Leica's best. Yeah, that I would agree with. I, Missing Link. I'm a I'm a diehard Leica fan, and I thought Missing Link was kind of whatever. Yeah, yeah. And Toy Story 4, I'd completely forgotten what happens in that movie. So, uh, Your cool. childhood. You lose your childhood. That's what <laughs> happens. Your childhood. You lose it. Um, all right. Uh, cinematography. Um, this is – first off, I was really happy that – and I'm, I hope I don't – I'm probably going to butcher this name. Jaron Blash got nominated for The Lighthouse. Yeah. That, so that cinematography uh, is really fun <laughs> and yes. different and difficult. Uh, but I feel, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, it's Roger Deakins to lose. But you could have said that so many years and then he yes. lost. So I don't know. It feels like, well, obviously it has to be 1917. That film is amazing. That film is the cinematography. And yet, and, and yet. yet I could feel like, and Lauren Scher for Joker. When- well, so much of it comes down to like an Academy member sitting down and going through the categories and they come to cinematography and they're like, uh, this one. So, like, what immediately, like, if you read those names, they don't, like, as you've said many times before, it's usually most and not best. They don't really go for subtlety, so that kind of takes Irishmen and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood out. Um, I can see The Lighthouse taking it in a surprise. Um, but I do think that just because of the one-shot thing, 1917, is it's as safe as Deacons is ever going to get. Yeah. And also, I don't have to be mad about it anymore because now that he has his Oscar, I can sort of, like... I think he deserves it for this category, but also I'd be like, you know what? He also deserved it for Blade Runner and he won and that was great. So yeah. 
I can, the pressure is off. And I say pressure as if it matters. Like, probably there's more pressure for Roger Deakins than there is for you or me, but we're, we're fans of his, so we care. And you can actually check out interviews with all but one of these nominees on Collider right now. Um, Steve interviewed Deakins. I interviewed Robert Richardson and Rodrigo Prito and, uh, the Lawrence Shear for Joker is on for your consideration. Yeah. So what we're saying is if Blash doesn't make himself available, we're coming. <laughs> not winning that Oscar. You're not winning. Yeah. You have to, you get, the road to your Oscar goes through Collider. Yes. Um, all right. Costume design was kind of, I, again, I was hoping for Rocket Man or, or uh, Dolomite is my name, but yeah, you know, these are fine. Yeah. The this is stuff. really it's really where you can see that like people like Jojo Rabbit a lot. Yes. Despite the fact that after TIFF, everyone's like, oh, it's bad. It's divisive. It's not good. It's not going to get anything. So I would just say, you know, for, I, I get Jojo Rabbit is the, you know, the divisive film out of TIFF, or I guess Joker would also be the divisive film. Jo- Jojo Rabbit had the audacity to win the People's Choice Award. Um, yeah. I, I would say with Jojo Rabbit, it, it's a film for kids. And that may sound weird, like the Nazi film is a film for kids. It is literally a film for people, for like preteens. That's who yeah. the audience for Jojo Rabbit is. So you can, if you're an adult, you're like, I know this. I know these things. I'm like, yeah, but you're not likely to get sucked down a YouTube rabbit hole filled with like Nazi propaganda, are you? you, <laughs> yeah. you know, so maybe like Jojo Rabbit is intentionally made PG-13. Like Taika Waititi knew his audience for this movie. And it's fine if you're not a part of that audience, but I would also say saying, well, it's not for me, it therefore has no value is a bad road to go down. Yeah. You know, and I guess people are like, well, if Joker's not for you, how can you, how can you say that? I'm like, what? well, I think we've explained why Joker is bad. <laughs> why Joker has no substance. I think, I think Jojo Rabbit has substance. Um, yeah. So, all right, we talked about directing, uh, documentary. You pointed this out. I totally missed this because I watched the nominations live. Uh, first, also as a side note, I would very much like a rom-com with John Cho and Issa Rae. They were delightful announcing yes. the nominations this morning. What a, what a pair. Um, but you pointed out, and I missed it, Apollo 11 was not nominated. <laughs> <laughs> the the worst thing to, did the thing they do, the worst which is thing to not be, nominate the frontrunner. Yes, the worst thing to be is to be the documentary frontrunner. Yes. Don't be it. If you're a documentary frontrunner, you're not going to get nominated for Best Documentary. Yeah, um, they're so... And they've tried so many different ways to rework that branch to make it better, and it's not – it just has not worked. So I don't know what's up, but whenever there's like a, oh, this is the one, nope. So like the Mr. Rogers documentary was the front runner last year, not nominated. And, and, and here's the thing. The reason – and it's kind of funny. Like not only do they not nominate the thing, the documentary feature branch kind of sucks ass because usually what wins best documentary is just the, the most feel-good documentary. Yeah, well, that's that's more a reflection on the Academy. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. The, the, this branch is not choosing stuff that's going to challenge people. Like, when, it doesn't matter. Whatever they choose, the nicest movie will win. Yeah. Which I think yeah, is kind but... of, which, which I think is, is a poor reflection on the Academy. Yeah. Which one okay. year chose, like, a feel-good football documentary over uh, the third installment of Paradise Lost, which literally saved people's lives. Yep. Good on them. Good on Good them. job, Academy. Good job. Uh, we haven't seen the documentary short subject, so we're going to move right past that. Uh, film editing. Now, this is this is an important category because you is it that you can't win best picture without the nomination? Is that how it goes? Or correct. That's that's traditional wisdom. The one that did it is Birdman. 
Um, and so that's why some people are like, oh, this spells trouble for 1917. And it's like, eh, not really, because 1970 is presented as if it's one shot. That's not to say that it doesn't have tremendous editing. It does uh, and probably should be singled out for it. It's kind of weird that it's not here. I don't understand why Jojo Rabbit is here. The big miss for me here is Little Women, which I think the editing of that film is brilliant and, and absolutely necessary for um, how well it works. Yeah, whereas I also, I think the editing in Joker is kind of shit. I think it's, I think it's a film that goes for the most extreme kind of, I think, again, Emily Vanderwood hit it on the head. Like, it's, it's a film that it's the tonality of Joker is all over the place. And I think that speaks to poor editing. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to, uh, I guess we haven't, um, like made any picks, um, but, uh, for the last few, um, but documentary feature, it's going to be American factory. Um, it's on Netflix. It's ultimately hopeful. Um, but it's also very good. Um, and it's, and it's backed by Obama. Yeah, there you go. Uh, film editing, It'll probably be Joker. It should be Parasite uh, or The Irishman. Or The Irish. I would say The Irishman. Yeah. To make a three and a half hour film feel like like a breeze. And also like Thelma Schoenmaker. Come on. Just. Well, but that's also what people just misunderstand editing. They like they think like good editing means a short movie. That's not what it is. It's not no, cutting yeah. stuff out of a movie. Sure, sure. No, but I'm just explaining like it's frustrating every year for people to be so like I'm sure a narrative will be like, well, the Irishman can't win because it's three and a half hours long. Ha ha ha! Like that's not how editing works, you dummies. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the thing. You know, it's funny. Like the Academy is like it's it's by by Hollywood for Hollywood, and like a lot of people in Hollywood don't understand what other people in Hollywood do. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to break that to you. Like they don't like, and when we get to the sound categories, that will yet again be clear. Yeah. Um, uh, international feature film. Uh, all respect to these categories, but Parasite has already won. Yes. <laughs> um, if it doesn't, that will be the biggest upset. Um, my fear is that Parasite wins international film, and they're like, "Take your trophy and go home, Bob. Like you got what you can. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you, you know, you don't. There's, there's just I hate. On the one hand, I like there's an international feature film category because it expands people's horizons and makes people want to check out these films. I also feel, though, it kind of ghettoizes um, these filmmakers to be like, well, you won in the international film feature. You know, so no international film can win Best Picture. It's impossible. Yeah. Same, same, same for animated feature. Yeah. Because they have their own category, they cannot win the Best Picture of the Year, and that's just fucking stupid, but that's how the Academy does. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, makeup and hairstyling. Um, which they've expanded to five nominees. It used to be three. So that's why oh, it's like, hilarious. well, I guess Maleficent. Yeah, too. Maleficent, fine. Uh, the one place I actually think Bombshell does deserve an Oscar is his in his makeup. Yeah. It's Kazu. Um, yeah, Kazu. It's a, like a, a pretty famous makeup artist. He did uh, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. They brought him out of retirement to do that. And Charlize Theron said she, like, he was still apparently, supposedly in retirement, but she was like, I'm an executive producer on Mindhunter, and I saw the email chains, and I knew he was working on Mindhunter season two, so I got him for Bombshell. So I thought that was kind of funny, that she was just kind of sneakily, like, you know, since she's still involved with Mindhunter, she was like, wait, he's doing the Manson makeup. I could get him for this movie. So. Good, good on her. And yeah. good on him. For uh, sure. Uh, original score... I feel like Joker has already run away with this one. I feel like that's sort of the clear front runner. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but probably, I mean, 
This is a tough one this year because Thomas Newman, Randy Newman, and John Williams are all, and Alexandre Desplat are all Oscar favorites. Like the Academy loves these guys, um, especially Thomas Newman, who gets nominated for everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think his score for 1917 is actually very good. Um, but yeah, I would not be surprised if Joker won this one. Have, but has, I, has a woman ever won best score? I don't know. I don't think so. It's a pretty male-dominated category. I'm not sure if a woman has ever actually been nominated before. I'm trying to think, because I think Michael Michael Levy was gonna be the first female if she won not nominated, getting nominated for Jackie, but I don't think she was. Huh. But I, I would have to look that up. Well, it could, could be some history then. We'll have to we'll have to do the research on that. It's a good score. This is a solid. I mean, solid lineup. Rise of Skywalker is whatever. But yeah. The rest it's, are. It's, it's John Williams for being John Williams. Yes. And you can't really argue against John Williams. No. Um, original song. I kind of like. I know Into the Unknown, Frozen Two, whatever. But I kind of feel like the Academy wants to give it to Elton John because he's Elton John. <laughs> well, and in he and Bernie created the perfect narrative at the Golden Globes, where they said they've never won an award together mm-hmm. before the Globes. Exactly. That's like, oh, that's a reason to vote for this. So yeah. The the thing to remember though is that when these nominees show up on the ballot, it does not tell you who sings or wrote the songs so it's it'll just say rocket man i'm gonna love me again so you would have to know that that was written by elton john so that's why thankfully rocket man has a pretty close association with elton john at this point (laughs) so true 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 um all right production design i was so happy parasite got nominated yes they built that house i would love to see that win i think it's possible uh i mean i think that's a you know I think that's an easy place to give it a win. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, nineteen seventeen is also pretty insane, but yeah, that is true. Having to build out, not just build out those trenches, but build them to be done in one shot. Yeah, and all outside, all exteriors. So. Yeah. Um, okay, animated short, live action short, uh, sound editing, and sound mixing. They just need to combine these categories, and they, they and then apparently they're going to. That's what they're saying. Yeah. That they're it's time to combine them. Which to me would make room for another category, which I after this year I feel like best first film should be the category that they move towards. That or best yeah. that or best sets. Yeah, I agree. Or best ensemble. I would not be upset at a best ensemble. Best group. ensemble that, and it goes to the casting director, yeah. That'd be yeah. good too. There there are lots of good options, far better than splitting sound editing and sound mixing. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, war films usually win these categories, so nineteen seventeen will probably win both, but who knows? Uh, then visual effects. Um, this feels like Irishman is going to win because it's the the Oscariest of the oh or 1917 maybe, but I don't know. It feels like Irishman has constructed a pretty good narrative about like how did we do this without putting the dots all over people's faces. That feels like more of the technical landmark that will interest people in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah. I don't know because you know Jungle Book one. But traditionally in this category, you look towards the Best Picture nominee, uh, which there were two, Irishmen in 1917. Um, so that would that would seem to give a leg up to the Irishmen, but yeah, Lion King um, could give it a run for its money. Yeah, who, who, who can't love the Lion King and its rictus face lions? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, writing adapted screenplay. 
hate that Joker is in here. I'm not thrilled that Two Popes is in here either. <laughs> I mean, nope. I like Two Popes, but I don't. You hate Two Popes. It was a wasteland, though. When I was doing my predictions, I was like, "Is that all? Like, there are not a lot of great adapted screenplays this year," which is surprising because usually there's a ton of adapted and not many originals. Right. Right. I know this might sound a little fanboyish. I actually think Avengers Endgame probably like, to, to weave in that many plot lines. Yeah, get it to the finish line. I think that was kind of a, a Herculean task. I agree with that. I would I would not have been upset with that. Um, speaking of which, it is interesting that Avengers Endgame did not make any significant impact significant impact on the Oscars because usually the film that becomes the best the most highest grossing movie of all time gets a best picture nomination. That was true of Titanic, that was true of Avatar, that was true of Jurassic Park, that was true of E.T. when all of those movies became the highest grossing movies of all time. Um not true of Avengers Endgame. Should have so. had Captain America doing crimes. <laughs> yeah, should have had more crimes. Um, this will probably be Joker, right? Uh, yeah, I, I can I, probably, probably, yeah. yeah. I mean, unless I'm, it's, 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 it's like, what kind of night is it going to be? Is it going to be an Irishman kind of night where it's like, let's give it to the people that we know and sort of like, you know, reward them. And, you know, is it, is it that kind of night or is it a Joker night where it's like, we're all in on Joker. And it used to be, I mean, you know, the, the scream, the categories were where the, the Academy got kind of ambitious and was like, you know what? And that was the year that, you know, everyone was like, American, American hustle can't go home empty handed. So of course it's going to win best original screenplay. And I was like, I think it's going to go to her for Spike Jones. And everyone was like, you're stupid. And I was right. Um, and it went to, you know, get out for Jordan Peele. Um, but then last year they gave it to fucking green book over the favorite and first reformed and Roma. So I don't know. I don't know if green, if we're going to look back on last year's Oscars, it's just this like really weird, um, anomaly or if it's just going to be like, yeah, we're just going to make bad decisions. So again, I think there's a revanchist sort of movement among like, Whoa. What? Was that Jack binging? No, that was, that was my wife. <laughs> my, my Jack, Jack doesn't have access to, to, to a phone. <laughs> he knows why. Um, Jack is my dog for people who are listening to this for the first time. Um, uh, but I would just say, yeah, like there's a movement to sort of be like, no, let's, let's, like, I think that we're in very turbulent time right now. And I think there's a, there is sort of like, well, let's get back to, you know, people who are oppressed and like the, the people who are oppressed are apparently white guys. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's sort of like, that is the narrative of Green Book. Green Book is not a story about a black man. It's about a story about a white man who befriends a black man. That's the story yeah. that it's telling. And Joker is telling a story that see, again, Joker seems like it's about something. And so you can vote for Joker being like, I care about serious things, but also fuck you. Yeah. So that's my feeling. I could be wrong. We'll see. Uh, and then writing for original screenplay is far more interesting. Yes. That's a great category. I love this lineup. It's a great lineup. Um, it's honestly a lineup where I, I mean, I don't know. Quentin Tarantino, I have my issues with that movie, but I wouldn't be mad online about it. I mean, I'm still kind of upset that he won for Django instead of Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Like, Django is okay, but... Inglorious Bastards, Bastards is far better. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? The, there are a lot of narratives that could play out here. Um, I, I don't know. i got to think it's between Parasite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I could also see 1917 
or Knives Out. Where are you marriage story taking it? I don't yeah. know. It's really it's, it's the most it's one of the more exciting categories of the night. Yeah. Um, that'll be that'll be fun. That'll be fun. So that's that's it. Those are our Oscar nominees. Um, like I said, overall, I'm a little, you know, I don't want to be too salty about uh, Oscars because I feel like when it comes to good films, good films will find their audience. And also films that are bad that, or not even bad, but films that are like uninteresting that when Oscars fade away. Um, have you seen the artist lately? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that's the thing, like winning an Oscar doesn't necessarily cement you. Like we're all still like, you know, Five years later, Mad Max Fury Road, people have lost, there's been no loss of passion for it, but it didn't win Best Director. That went to, uh, you know, The Revenant. Yeah. And The Revenant's, yep. Revenant's kind of bad. <laughs> also, I'm just re-watching The Revenant, I want to know. I know, right? Um, the Revenant, and, you know, that's the thing. So the Oscars are a snapshot. And, and also, to, to, I mean, again, we haven't talked about Green Book. And, you know, whatever. And we talked about Green Book, but when it won Best Picture, we talked about it for a day, and, it, and it's done. And it doesn't, like, it's there. But, you know, it's, it, it's hard to endure. And an Oscar does not necessarily cement your legacy. No. We're still talking about the social network as if it came out six months ago and it came out ten years ago. Right. So, like, that, and that's kind of what I stick by is, you know, quality will out. In the long run, the quality movies are the ones that people remember. Like, you know, as as mad as I got and everyone got when the King's Speech won Best Picture, that's not the movie that people are talking about. That's not the people the movie that people are rewatching on cable or still writing essays about or still wanting to ask, you know, the director about. Um, I don't think anybody on the Cats press store was asking Tom Hooper about the King's Speech. <laughs> well, that's because Cats raises so many more questions. <laughs> If you only have five minutes with Tom Hooper and you've just seen Cats, you're not going to – you're like, oh, man, I can't waste a question on King Speech. Uh, speaking of which, Cats, zero Oscar nominations. Surprising. Surprising, Surprising. given the digital fur technology. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that's this year's batch of nominees. Obviously, we will do a show follow uh, ahead. We'll do a show ahead of the, the, the awards with our predictions because those will be sort of – firmed up when we see how the guilds vote. Yeah, um, for sure. But uh, that's sort of where we're at right now. But uh, we're going to get to get this podcast online so people can listen to us yak about the Oscars. <laughs> Godspeed. Godspeed, Thank listeners. Thank you if you made it this far. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, even I'm sick of us. All right. If you want to keep up with this podcast, you should follow us on Twitter. Adam, where can we find you on Twitter? At Adam Chipwood. And you can find me at Matt Goldberg. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with you next week.